This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hello and welcome back. I'm America's Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing here at the Wharton School of Business. We are live. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Here at the magnificent institution called Wharton, we invented the concept of the business school. We actually create the knowledge that they write about in their cases. We went to Wharton and we saw you coming a mile away. Yep, yep. Interestingly, we are not only investment bankers, we are also consultants, strategists, entrepreneurs, real estate gurus, management leaders, and of course, marketers, where marketing is the glue that holds and connects each of these areas to their clients. If you like what you're hearing, Marketing Matters airs live every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and is, of course, replayed several times throughout the week. What time is it? Well, speaking of time, I wish I had a little bit of Morris Day to play here, but it's time to cover a little marketing in terms of, guess what? So we're going to do something very different uh, for this particular segment. I am your host, the hip-hop prof, Professor America's Reed, and I'm going to be holding class. I want you to listen to me very carefully. So I do a cla- I do several classes here at Wharton. Uh, right now I'm teaching about 60 executives on weekends who fly in from their full-time corporate jobs, and I teach them about segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging. Uh, in the spring I'll be teaching 210 daytime MBA students as well. And again, this course called Customer Analysis. So this is your opportunity, listeners, to call in with questions that you have about marketing. I'm going to be holding class right now. Now listen to me very carefully. If you ever thought you wanted to get into Wharton and be a part of the Wharton love, baby, then you can call in right now and ask questions about things you're trying to do in marketing, segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging. The number here is 1-844-942-7866. Give me a call and be an honorary student of the Wharton School. I'm going to be talking about all kinds of cool stuff in this next half hour. I want to start with something that's very, very interesting, and that is, and we touched about, we touched on this a little bit with my previous guest, Andy Cunningham, and it's the idea of trying to understand, she mentioned it very interestingly in the context of the six C's that she put forth with respect to what she has talking about in terms of her book. And those six C's, just to uh, reiterate, are core DNA, category, community, competition, context, and criteria. And part of what she talked about in core DNA is this idea that you have to understand what it is that you do and who you are. I loved when she talked about this because it reminded me of a very interesting analysis that was part of a TED Talk that I, one of my favorite TED Talks of all time, a guy by the name of Simon Sinek. It's probably, last time I checked, the third most popular TED Talk of all time. Uh, And so it's really interesting what he talked about. He said that, listen to this very carefully, listeners. He said that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Now, this is a very important concept because it gets at the notion of if I'm trying to produce a product, an organization, I'm trying to create a company, trying to build a brand, trying to do my own personal brand. Maybe that's what you're working on. You have to understand what is it, why am I doing this and who am I? Why? What's your why is what Simon Sinek talks about a lot. And so understanding the core DNA is critical, especially now in this day and age because what is happening is that people are all over the internet. And now social media allows us to be the own, our own basically curators of information. 
And so we're out there. And we are being evaluated by the customers that we are trying to talk to. They are reacting to us. They are giving us feedback in real time within their social networks. And so we have to, even nowadays, have a very acute sense of our why. And so when you're thinking about one of the things that you, you want to think about a lot, which Andy talked about, is why do I do what I do? So if you're Jack from Massachusetts and you're creating this wonderful music and you're selling it to people and you feel like you know you're trying to figure out what's your superpower what is it that differentiates you you have to think about well why do i do this that's one kind of sociological self-reflective analysis you can think about so if you're out there and you're thinking you know you're going to do a product you want to do a service you want to create a brand you want to grow a company i think that's where you really want to start you want to be able to say that this is who i am and you want to you want to be able to understand with great clarity what are my values? What is it that I stand for? What type of company am I trying to create? Because what's going to happen, now listen to this very carefully, what's going to happen is once you define that alignment, you're going to be able to essentially have everything that you do as part of that company, that, that product, that brand, that organization, that service, have everything that you do be consistent with that why. In other words, to not violate or go against or compromise the positioning that is associated with that. So that's a very, very critical idea that uh, that Andy talked about. And if you're out there trying to work on a product or service, you maybe you have some thoughts about something that you're working on. You're trying to figure out how do I brand this thing, how do I position it. You know, you can give me a call at one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, and I'll give you some advice. You don't have to pay all this money to come to the Wharton School like my regular students do. You can just get on the phone, and for free, you can talk to the hip hop prop, Professor America Reed. But one of the things that's important about this idea with respect to branding is to understand branding in a deeper way. Okay, so we always talk about this in marketing, and I speak about this in my class a lot. It's it's the idea that, and Andy touched upon this as well. It's the idea that you have to know the difference between logo and brand. It's not the same thing. A lot of people get confused because they believe that just because I create some colors and here's the circle and the stand and blah, you know, I've got a logo, I've got a brand. No, you don't. Actually, it does not work like that. The way this works is that the brand is something much more than just what the logo is, right? A logo is a logo, and that's great. And you're going to get a graphic designer to develop something that's beautiful and that uh, really puts you out there. But you have to know the difference between a brand and a logo. It's not the same thing, right? A logo is the outward-facing component of your brand. Yes, I agree with that. But what is brand? Brand is something that is much, much, much deeper. So when I talk about this in my class, we go through this very, very carefully. We want to understand what branding is. And when you think about brands, the great brands like Nike or Google or Disney or Ford or Starbucks or Apple, uh, all of these great brands, when you think about, well, what do they do that makes them so iconic, right? And you should be thinking about this with your companies, your organizations, your services, the, the products that you're producing. What is it? What's my why? And how am I going to brand? And when we think about branding, we talk about branding as really creating a rich and consistent and clear, listen to this very carefully now, listeners, meaning system, okay? This meaning system is what branding is. That meaning system defines your why. In other words, tells people out there, targets that you're trying to touch upon and reach exactly what you stand for, what your core 
DNA is. What What is it that you do and why you do it, as Simon Sinek mentioned? That's branding. And that's not just like creating a logo. That's really understanding the purpose and having a mission and really being, being able to touch and reach in and leverage that power of really what it is that you're creating. That's what branding is. Remember that. Branding is creating a rich, consistent, and clear meaning system that defines what the brand stands for. That's just branding. Okay, So you have to do that at a bare minimum. That's like the, the necessary but insufficient condition to be able to appropriately connect with your consumers. That's just branding. But good branding is something very different. Good branding is branding plus. Now listen to this. Branding plus something that differentiates you from competitors and connects your customers, your consumers, your clients to your company, your product, your service, whatever it is that you're doing to create loyalty. So I want to say that again. Good branding is branding, which is creating a rich, consistent, and clear meaning system that also differentiates from competitors and connects consumers to create loyalty. Now, i got to be very careful about when we talk about loyalty. Loyalty is a very misunderstood concept in marketing. People often feel that they've got, quote, loyal customers, okay? Loyalty is not necessarily the same as repeat purchase. I'm dropping knowledge here. Now, you got to listen to this very, very carefully. Loyalty is not necessarily the same as repeat purchase, right? So if I look inside your uh, shopping basket and I see that you've purchased the same shampoo the last 25 times you were at the store, I might be tricked into saying, oh, you're loyal to that particular shampoo because you have repeatedly purchased it over time, longitudinally. Now, I have to be very careful because what that literally might be, if you're not careful, is simply what we refer to as inertia. In other words, you don't really care about the category. You don't really care about the product enough to the extent that you don't want to think about it. So you just choose something, right? You choose something, and after you choose it, you shut it off. And now I'm just going to buy this thing because why? It satisfies my needs at almost the most basic kind of minimal level, okay? That's not, that's not necessarily the kind of loyalty that you want to try to foster. You absolutely want to foster and create repeat purchase, but you want to create something that's deeper than just repeat purchase. And I use this example in my class because I sort of fell prey to this. I was buying this one particular shampoo, and uh, I remember I had bought it for like probably six months straight, a very long time. And so, you know, you might have been tempted to say, wow, America's the hip hop prof, you're loyal to this particular uh, shampoo. And what was very interesting was that at some particular point in time, the company changed the color of the bottle. And so when I went into the store to buy it, I could not find it because I would always sort of, I could always recognize it by, oh, well, that's that green bottle. There it is. I get it. I grab it and I buy it. But they actually changed the color one time. And then when I went to get it, I, it broke my inertia, and so I ended up actually switching as a function of I just could not find it, and I didn't want to spend the time to actually look for the product because, I, in a sense, I actually was not that loyal to it or not loyal to it in any real deep, substantive way. So when we talk about loyalty, we want to try to go beyond just, hey, you buy it over and over and over again, but we want to go back to why are you buying it? And loyalty in the context of great branding is when you can connect in a way that consumers, now listen to this very carefully, where consumers will internalize the brand 
as an expression of who they are or who they want to be. Now, this is super, super powerful. Great branding does this and creates something that I will refer to in the rest of the segment called identity loyalty. Okay, Not just repeat purchase, but identity loyalty is that marketing nirvana that happens when you're able to connect to deep, self-expressive needs of your customers, your clients, or your consumers. And when that happens, you transcend the power of connecting with consumers in a way that allows them to express who they are. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are you doing this with your brand? Are you doing this with your product, your service, your company? Are you doing this with your personal brand? I want to hear from our listeners on this. Tell me what you're working on. Tell me what you're doing. Let's talk through these concepts. Give me a call at 1-844-942-7866. Let's rap about these different ideas. I want to understand to what extent can you create this kind of really powerful connection with consumers that is associated with with, with identity loyalty, not just loyalty, but something much, much deeper, right? Because inertia is one thing, and it's not the same thing as loyalty, right? So you can create like a point system or let's say frequent flyer miles for the airlines, right? Is that loyalty? I don't know. might be sunk cost, right? So as soon as a competitor comes along and say, hey, I'll honor those points, you may be ready to jump ship very quickly. So we're not trying to create sunk costs. What we're trying to do is create something deeper, We're trying to go into the psychological uh, innards, if you will, of the consumer and understand their identities in a way that is so powerful that we can connect our brands to their identities in a way that really, really gives power. And when you look at the great brands, most of them go to any sort of top list of brands. Could be Forbes list, could be Interbrand. We've had Interbrand on the show many times. Uh, talking about this. In fact, a couple weeks ago, we were going through uh, Interbrand's list of great brands. If you go through any of those lists of those companies where the brands have tremendous value above and beyond their physical assets, right? then you, you can see that these brands, and you ask the question, what are they doing? Right? What are they doing to create this kind of deeper connection? Many of them you will find in this analysis are actually creating identity loyalty. This notion that I want to connect with you. I don't just want to give you a product because anybody can give you a product, right? And so what I'm trying to get you guys to understand, to move away from, is to stop creating transactions and to start creating relationships, right? So what you're trying to do is you're trying to reach for that that deeper level uh, of analysis. And so when we're talking about the concept of loyalty, we think about this. We think about what what. Simon Sinek talked about when he said people don't buy what you do they buy why why you do it why do why am I and you have to it, it's a very uh, self-reflective question you have to ask yourself I don't care if you're running a PI a private investigation company uh, producing music for ad agencies uh, regenerative medicine we had our first guest on uh, Claudia Zalberberg uh, you know it doesn't matter what it is the product could be anything you could be selling anything the logic is exactly the same, which is to say, why am I doing this? Why? What is the purpose here? What is my alignment? And what Simon Sinek was, was so insightful when he made this analysis is he basically was telling us that the traditional question of how can I convince consumers my product has superior features, that's wrong. right? How can I get you to think about I've got better stuff, I've got, I've got a better product in terms of what it can do? 
that's actually very much wrongheaded because that focuses on what? And remember what Andy said. If you're, if you're talking about just selling stuff, you're in, you're in a bad space, right? This what just reflects a transparent attempt to sell something, right? It's a transaction. However, the question of why, why? You have to ask yourself this. Why would my consumers who I target, these individuals who define my segment that I'm trying to reach, why would my customers use my brand to define themselves? That's a much deeper question to think about, right? This question reflects the alignment of a consumer's identity with what the brand stands for. And that's really the, 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 the necess- that's really the condition that creates uh, this notion of identity loyalty. It's the fact that the brand and the consumer aligns their identity. So I want to I want to pose this question to to you listeners out there. If you're asking yourself what your why is and you're having a hard time coming up with an answer, you can call me. Give me a call at 844-942-7866 and the hip hop prof will guide you through this sociological process whereby you can start thinking about the necessary fundamental components that you will need to be able to position yourself successfully in the marketplace and to grow your product, your service, your brand, your personal brand, whatever it is, to new heights. I want you to think about that. So go back to this idea of identity loyalty. Identity loyalty, we study this a lot. And my colleagues and I have undergone many, many different analyses to try to understand what is it that makes a consumer identity loyal? And what are the consequences of identity loyalty? And what we have found is that identity loyalty is a beautiful thing. I got to say this is a beautiful thing because what it does is it creates it creates this alignment of what you do relative to what how the consumer wants to see themselves. And when those things become aligned, then the brand and the consumer become one. And when you think about what happens when the brand or the product, the service, the organization become one with the consumer, then their self-concept, their identity is essentially part and parcel with the brand. So that means, now listen to this very carefully, that means that these individuals will become your one man, one woman marketing department for free. And that's a powerful idea. They will defend the brand. They will be out there as loyal soldiers that are thinking about exactly why the brand must be protected why? Because their self-concept is wrapped up in the brand. Let's jump to the phone lines. We've got Stacy from Indiana. Hi, Stacy. Hi. So what's your question? My question is um, I am in the space of pharmaceuticals, specifically cancer medication. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I feel like the why for most people that are marketing these products are for patient focus. It's for the patient benefit. Okay. How do you differ? I mean, how do you differentiate in that kind of space when it's such a scientific data driven kind of marketing space? Um, you know, when the why most likely will always be for the benefit of a patient. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very interesting question, uh, Stacy. One of the things I would think about is, to to figure out a way to make that data more real to people. So in other words, you know, it's kind of like in, when I remember being, uh, when I was in high school, completely not interested in math. Uh, I was okay at it, but it was like I would see these things and I would just sort of say, what's the point of this? I don't really understand the purpose of this. 
Uh, and it was only until later that I had an appreciation of the power of what math and analytics can actually do in terms of making my life better. So I think there's a there's an opportunity here, uh, Stacy, to be able to marry kind of analytics with what they are intended to actually, you know, how they actually inform and improve the experience. Does that make sense? So it sounds like you're in pharmaceutical sales, and so differentiation is a very, very difficult. But I think we—it's very interesting. I don't know if you caught the uh, sort of first part of the show uh, with my I guess Claudia talking about regenerative medicine, but she's faced with a similar challenge. And what I would suggest to her is to is to really focus in on how I'm coming up with that that personalized, customized analysis of how I'm actually changing. Lives. I hope that was helpful for you, Stacy. Let's go to Trina in Georgia. What's on your mind, Trina? Hi. How you doing today, Marcus? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. What? Yeah. What's your question? I had a question. Um, I was thinking about starting a business. Okay. But I'm not really sure. I've been trying to work on developing my why. Um, the business is. Um, I'm really big in personal development and business development. I actually mentor small businesses, mm-hmm. but I'm more um, inclined to work with nonprofits and mission-driven business owners. Okay. And what I help them with is I help them to like get their business documentation together and their marketing plans, content development plans, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so but these are. I, it sounds like mm-hmm. Trina that these are these are smaller companies. These are uh, not for profit smaller companies that 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 you've defined as your key segment. Yes, I really like working with um, startups, right? Oh, okay. Who aren't in business yet, but they're trying to start their businesses from scratch. Gotcha. So what I would suggest for you, Trina, in terms of trying to think a little bit about how to come up with your why, is to to understand at a deep kind of psychological level these entrepreneurs that start these companies. My understanding, and I've talked to some, one of the things I'm interested in, in studying, Trina, is sort of the entrepreneurial identity. It has this, There's a certain type of person that wants to start a company. They are less risk-averse. They have these certain personality characteristics. What I would suggest for you, Trina, is to do an analysis whereby you, in this space of these entrepreneurs who are starting these companies that you're going to mentor, is to really kind of almost do a Jane Goodall. You got to kind of go in the jungle and like live and breathe what, they, what they're doing, eat, sleep, and breathe what they're doing, understand all of their critical pain points that created the motivation for them to want to do this in the first place, right? And then right. once you understand kind of their motivational impetus, if you will, you understand kind of what, what those emotional triggers are for them that got them started and passionate about what they do. You align kind of your positioning around your specific business coaching and mentoring uh, and consulting services around that. So you tell that same kind of flavored DNA type story to be able to make that connection with them. Have you done any work to sort of un- do this sort of analysis where you kind of sociologically try to understand these people in a, in a deep kind of identity-based way? No, I haven't, and that's why I wanted your advice to see what work I should be doing on my behalf. So that was great. Excellent. Advice. So what I, would, what I would suggest you to do, Trina, is, and this is kind of interesting, because what you can do here, Trina, is you can perhaps you know get a group of these folks together 
uh, previous clients or potential future clients kind of under the guise, if you will, of kind of an introductory session uh, with them to sort of introduce yourself and introduce yourself to them and them to you. And you can take that as an opportunity to almost do like a kind of a focus group, if you will, where you can sort of ask them questions, you can sort of talk to them, and you can draw out some of the insights that are these motivational triggers that really you know, drew them to want to do this in the first place. And you can kind of almost under the analysis of talking to them uh, through an introductory kind of roundtable, if you will, uh, or, or in a networking sort of a setting, you know, look for ways to sort of elicit those kinds of thoughts in a group setting uh, to be able to to have that understanding about how you can potentially come up with your why. Does that make sense? Yes, that does. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for the call, Trina. Let's jump to Kamar. Uh, hi, Kamar. Oh, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call, and I really love this show. Thank you. Yes, uh, my question is, um, so I, I really appreciate the idea of internalizing the loyalty around the brands. Mm-hmm. So can we apply this to experiences, like uh, watching movies in theaters, mm. not in Netflix at home, or eating out, not just cooking at home, or, mm-hmm. or it could be staying in hotels, not Airbnb. Gotcha. Something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. People are losing loyalty to the experiences, I believe. So mm. how can we apply this concept to that? Yeah, that's a great question, Kamar. I love that. I, I love this question because you're you're really illustrating for uh, for us the power of this concept of creating identity, and yes. you know how the reason why it can really span a wide variety of different kinds of things. I, I preach in my class constantly. I get asked this all the time, Kamar. You know, can this be applied to experiences? Can this be applied to business-to-business kinds of settings? The answer is yes, 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 and yes. And so I love this question, Kamar, because if you think about it, if you think about, well, what is identity? If you go back to kind of the original analysis of what creates a sense of who you are, it's basically experiences, right? So the answer is there's nothing more ripe than to be able to to take an experience and quote unquote brand it to be able to connect with people's identities uh, because that's a big part of where people's identities come from in the first place, right? So if you think about who am I, you know, who, who is Kamar, who is Americus, uh, you know, who, wh- what have we done in our lives? Well, we are the sum, we are the collective sum of our experiences. So I think right. the answer to your question is absolutely yes, uh, that this type of loyalty can be applied to experiential products and in fact probably can be applied to experiential products in a very much deeper and kind of authentic way because of the nature and the role, if you will, that experiences play in helping us define who we are. Does that make sense? That makes sense, yes. Very, very cool stuff. Thank you very much, Kamar, for the call. You know, I love having these conversations with you guys because what I'm trying to do here, I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to give you sort of an insight into my mind. I am the hip hop prof. I'm trying to give you a sort of a sort of a, a peek inside what's going on inside my black box to help you guys understand how you can segment target position and message and one of the biggest components that we're going to talk about always on this show is the power of positioning the power of brand right brands are meaning systems they are clear consistent meaning systems that are well differentiated from other things that are out there that create a sense of identity and create a sense of connecting with you in a way that really gives you an aspirational self that allows you to, to become something greater 
than what you are. And when you look at great companies that do this, you'll see this strategy playing out time and time again where that company is somehow able to get to the why, to, to really transcend the functional features, but to be able to, to touch upon, if you will, something deeper, something that connects to us inside. Because when you build the brand from inside, you are essentially creating a very, very powerful uh, switching cost that then allows you to really, really protect your product. Because once the brand is connected to the idea that you know it's part of who you are, then what happens is that you are actually able to very much connect and create a kind of deep, deep analysis that is able to really, really make your consumers uh, very much interested in what you're doing. So when we come back, I will be speaking with my next guest, Nordy Cohen, founder and CEO of Moose. I got to say, I got to practice this. My uh, extraordinary uh, producer has not prepped me on how to say this. Moosevania. Uh, and he'll be talking about his book, The Participation Game How the Top 100 Brands Build Loyalty in a Skeptical World. We'll be right back. This is Sirius XM Channel 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 